0: Well, amen. Amen. God is good. Father, I just just want to bring all the focus, Lord, onto you, Jesus. You have just blessed us so abundantly and so greatly, Lord, and we just love you so much, Father. And I just thank you, Lord, for days that we can celebrate one another. But Lord, we want to celebrate you you did so much for us. You have allowed us to have so much. And so we focus our hearts and our minds on you this morning. Lord, I ask you, Father, as I come before you, Lord, humble in your before you, Father, I just ask you, Lord, to speak, Father, through me. Bring clarity, Father. I pray that the words would fall upon ears that are ready to hear, Father, on fertile ground, Lord, that it would produce in their life. And Holy Spirit, I ask you to move that we would not leave here the same way that we came in, but that we would be effectually changed, better than before. And Father, I praise you and I'm careful to give you all the glory, Lord, for you alone are worthy. You alone are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 hallelujah. Hmm. Wow, I, I, I'll just tell you a little bit. Yesterday, I, I woke up starving, hungry, like, you know, the ravenous hunger is where you want to eat all day, everything in sight. Uh huh. And my mind was just like all over the place. And I told my husband, I said, I went outside and dug up some of the bricks we needed to dig up in the backyard, trying to burn off energy, nervous energy, you know, because I just felt all that. And I felt like I was just being like uh, hindered okay, from getting the clarity that I I wanted, and I knew what I wanted, and I told Pastor, I said, but I just can't seem to formulate it onto paper, And, and the further I got into the evening, all of a sudden it just hit me that that he wasn't asking me to just formulate it all down on the paper. He was asking me to preach from my heart on this one because, see, my greater gift is the preaching gift, okay? But we have been teaching more than we've been preaching on the covenant area, and we've been dealing with covenant because it is the foundation as to how we live our life. It is our foundational relationship with God is based on a covenant, amen, and so uh, the moment that I, I... I Released myself to that, clarity came, and I thought, "Boy, how slow am I? Golly, took me all day to figure that one out." Okay, <laughs> <Amen>. <laughs> but God is good, Amen, Amen. And He was merciful, and He kept me right on line. And I got in my honey's office, and the Lord really spoke. And I was uh, wanting to go back just really quick and get this out of there because I know that bothers that all the time. I'm wanting to go back and make sure that we understand that we dealt with the Adamic covenant. And then we moved through a few other covenants and we moved into uh, Mount Sinai and the Ten Commandments and and where we get um, uh, the law. All right. And we learned under the law, and we learned that the law was put into place, the Ten Commandments were put into place of what I said was 600 and some odd more commandments attached to the 10 commandments to teach you how to live the 10 commandments. Okay. We were pretty slow people, I guess. You know, you really had to take us through the paces. And so we lived under the law and you had to serve under the law. And if you wanted any kind of blessing, you had to obey the law. All right. You had to sacrifice under the law. We had to go through all of these things. All right. Because what was happening is God was bringing us to a understanding and a knowing that we need a Savior, that we are not capable of keeping the law. Therefore, we cannot look unto ourselves. We have to look to a sacrifice in order to bring us to a place where we can continue to have fellowship with God. Amen? We understood that? Amen. And so now we are moving into the new covenant. And I, I, I love Easter. I, I was uh, um, talking with Evangelist Heal and I was telling her, I said, you know, I was so sick. My honey was encouraging me, but what he didn't know is I was trying to get myself together because I wanted to be here. And he was like, "You gotta get up, and get to church. We are soldiers. We fight. We don't lay down." I'm like, "Yeah, you're right," but I feel like I'm gonna die up in that pulpit today. I'm so hurt. I don't feel good, you know. And I was, I, I lay back down for a few minutes, and I just felt. I said, "You know what, Lord? I have not missed an Easter Sunday since I've been truly saved. I've not missed the most important, monumental day to a Christian." since I have been saved. <laughs> and so I, I grabbed a plastic bag, carried it with me and some hand sanitizer, carried it with me. And I had my daughter drive me cause I didn't trust myself to drive. And I say, bring me some ice chips. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. And I laid down in that back seat on my daughter's lap. I laid my head on her lap and, and, pastor preached a word that the tomb is empty. And we keep going back to that dead place. Jesus is not there. You know, And I never regretted pressing through and pushing through, even if I had to lay. And I've done that more than once, lay on the back pew and just listen to the word of God, seeking him. Because I know that there is a certain blessing that comes from being in the corporate house, the corporate anointing. You can get blessed all by yourself because God is like that. But there's a special blessing that comes when you are under a corporate anointing. Amen. Amen. Oh, my God. He spoke to people singularly, but he blessed people. Oh, God. He blessed people. When they came around Jesus, there was always a crowd. Oh, oh God. He fed the 5,000, not counting women and children. Come on now. There's always a blessing in the corporate place. Amen? And so now we are moving to the fact that there had to be a blood covenant because blood had been shed. We went back to the Garden of Eden. Blood was shed in the Garden of Eden for he had to dress Adam and Eve. Blood was shed. My God. We moved into uh, uh, Abraham and, and blood was shed. He had to put Abraham to sleep because the covenant was solely based on God and his word and a promise was given and laid down. There was a contract that was established and the way that contracts were established is that there was always a blood sacrifice. You cut the animal in half. The person walks through the two animals and this is saying that If I avoid a valid, um, if I uh, do something against this contract, then this was what needs to happen to me. All right. So it's a serious thing. It's not. It's a serious thing. So he did something that Abraham would understand. He walked the covenant through him in a way that he would understand it. Although it wasn't necessary for God necessarily to do it, but he did it because he wanted him to understand. And he was laying down a precedent and setting so that we can begin to see a pattern how God does things. There's a pattern in how he does things. There's a pattern in how he speaks to us. I didn't say a formula. I said a pattern. There's a difference. Okay? And so now we come up to the time where it is time now for a Savior to be born. And 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 he reveals this to certain people. Not everybody had the ear or the knowledge or the wisdom or the hearing to hear that a Savior had been born. There were certain ones that came looking for Jesus. All right. And the devil made sure there were certain ones looking to kill him. But not everybody understood what was happening. And so we come to the time that Jesus moves into his ministry and he has three years of ministry. And all this is so significant. And he begins to talk to his disciples and he begins to tell them that things are going to happen. And you may not understand these things. And I need to lay down to you what needs to happen. I have been an example to you. I have come and I have lived the Mosaic law. I have walked this principle all the way through. I didn't cuss anybody out. I didn't act a fool. I didn't sleep around with other women. I didn't lie. I didn't cheat and I didn't steal. Come on. See, we need to bring it down to where we at today. Let's just bring it on down. OK, we had somebody that walked the walk in the midst of a perverse generation. Come on, because them people were crazy. OK, they were sacrificing other people over in the other part of town and they was doing magic over in this part of town and they were fighting each other on this part of town. And the religious zealots was hating on everybody. OK, trying to make them live so harsh under the law. They wouldn't even living right under the law themselves. They were stoning women and they was cutting off his this crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. And he walked in the midst of all of this turmoil in the earth. Perfect. Perfect. Because it was necessary. It was necessary for him to be this. It was necessary. And and I was reading and I did a lot of study on this and I I came across the article and and I had heard this once before and I just refreshed myself on it. I love the fact that God made a covenant with himself. God made a covenant with himself. It's Uh, Referred to by theologians as the redemption covenant. He made it with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they sat down amongst each other. And all the properties of a covenant took place. All the properties of a covenant took place. There was an agreement. We understood what needed to be done. And we understood what would happen if it didn't. But the difference in this is it was not based on man saying yes. It was based on God saying yes to himself. Yes to himself. I say yes. Because if we believe that it is a Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he made a covenant with himself. And he set forth a plan to redeem man back to himself. Every part, every person, if you want to, in the covenant had a part the part of the father, he agreed to send the son because he would redeem the people. The son would be their representative son. I'm going to send you. Will you be their representative? The son said, yes, I'll go. I'll be their representative. The son took his part. The Holy spirit brought himself in total submission, total submission in order to indwell the people of God and to bring them to the fullness of what God had promised them. Come on now. Everybody said yes to their part. Therefore, the covenant was struck and now the plan was set to go. And now we move forward. Amen. The Mosaic covenant was a covenant of law. God said, obey. And he would bless. You obey me, I'll bless you. Failure to obey violates the conditions and punishment followed. And it did. After all, they won some wars And they lost. The earth opened up, swallowed up, folks. Come on. See, we like to make this like people tell you, well, you know, you have God, you know, because you need a crutch. Uh, Brother, if this is a crutch, okay, give me something else. All right. This is not a crutch because God is nobody to play with. He ain't no joking. God, it was a bloody covenant. It was a straightforward covenant. It was a God that cannot look in the face of sin and he will not. And He is just. And he took care of business. And when you got out of line with him and you were living under the law, there was hell to pay for it. Because the ground opened up and swallowed up folks. Folks got boils on them. People were sick. There was a law that was in place. And the law was given to them because men and man is inherently evil. You have to look at children and I'm not calling children evil, but you got to understand they were born with a sin nature. They can lie to you before you even taught them how to lie. Okay, they learn how to manipulate you. I want to say almost from the time they come out of the mother's womb. They know how to manipulate you. They want attention when they want it. They know how to work the parents against each other. Come on now. They are born that way. All right. They have that Adamic nature in them. It's here. And so the law came to specify and to clarify who you really are. Take a good look, because now we are showing you who you are and the necessity for a savior. The new covenant is a blood covenant. It is based on grace, unmerited favor, grace. It is unconditional. We receive the mercy and blessing of God, not because of anything we do, but because of what Christ did. This is the differences in the covenants. One, solely based on your works. Here's the deal. You have the right to say yes or no. If you said no, you dealt with the consequences of it. Period. Period. I look at David with Bathsheba. All right. Come on. Let's look at the consequence here. Okay. She knew and he knew. Let's not get it wrong here. Okay. It's not like she was some innocent person up on the roof we know ladies that's this alright and we know where David was at okay? because I'm sure there was a few times she was fully clothed and she just kind of got up on that roof and she looked over at the king and she was just like mm-hmm. here I come you know and then I'm sure she sent her little servant girls up on the roof and they in the bath water and David's like, what's going on over there? Mm, pour the bath water. And then we're going to plot. We're going to kill your husband. Now, instead of saying, servant, run to where my husband is and tell him. Nothing gets said. And the man loses his life. A child comes forth. There is a cost to sin. There is a cost to sin. They lose the child. This states that this is a clear consequence to an action. Sometimes you have to drive the point home because we read the Bible and we look at it like a storybook, a fantasy, and it is not. It is downright truth. Truth above truth. There is consequences to sin. And we lived under that. We lived under the fear of death, We lived under the fear of the consequences of our lives and of our actions. And so we begin to look towards the cross from the Old Testament. They are looking towards the cross. They are looking towards their redemption. We are looking from the other side. We are looking back to the cross. They were looking forward to the cross. Not yet receiving the promise, but holding on to the promise. Learning the law. Learning how to live under it. Learning how to make the sacrifices that needed to be made to cover our sin. Not to abolish it, but to cover it. In other words, like you were a kid, you do something wrong, you broke something, and you take it. You ever done that and you hid it where your mama couldn't find it? Okay. You know, you hide it so it's not seen anymore. Okay. That's why at, at night, at nighttime, it's such, so much more activity when people do wrong than it is during the day. Under the cover of darkness. We were always under the cover of darkness. Hiding under the cover of darkness. Hiding from our sin. And and, in order for us to come to any light. There had to be a blood sacrifice. Everything had to be sprinkled with blood. And they had to go out and sprinkle the blood on you. And sprinkle the blood on you. Sprinkle the blood on you. So that you would have some uh, thought. Of some place in your heart and mind. To say okay I can make it another year. Because I brought a sacrifice. A sacrifice. And this was necessary in order to even deal with God. And when you read some of the the patterns of the sacrifice, I was like, dude, I don't know how they remembered all of this stuff. It's so it was so complicated. It was so much different things for different ones. I'm driving this point because you have to understand where we have come from, how grateful we should be for what Christ has done. And sometimes, if you look back and, and you don't understand what you really have you don't appreciate it you know I remember one time we went to a jewelry store. they say well one's a, a cubic zirconium this was before diamond e came out and one's a diamond and if you can guess which one is the diamond we'll, we'll take so much off of this ring and we'll it will give you the cubic okay and so I'm looking at it and, and one of us got the cubic and one of us got the diamond I want you to know the one of us that got the diamond valued it a whole lot more than we did that cubic zirconian. You know why? Because it was a diamond. It was worth more. And when you understand what you have, you treat it differently. You don't treat it as common. You treat it differently. So you need to understand where we had to come from, what we had to do. How we didn't have a relationship with God like we have now. And so with all under the law, we all had to deal with it that way. We all had to make sacrifices. We all had to look at everything that we did and make sure it was always in line. And if you were a priest, God help you there because you had to go in first. And if you messed up, they put little pomegranates on the bottom. If you went in and when the pomegranates stopped moving, they knew what well, he's dead. They tied a the rope up and dragged him on out of there. <laughs> Seriously, let's drag him on out. Next, i would be like, I don't want to be a priest. <laughs> okay. Took your, okay see, come on, seriously, would you? Really? Okay, you don't go in there right. You miss one of the patterns he tells you to do, and you walk up in there, and you get behind that veil, and you don't hear them pomegranates shaking no more, and they be dragging you out of there. It was serious business following God. And then we come to Jeremiah thirty-one, thirty-one. 31, 31. Through thirty-four, and I love it because way ahead of time, God begins to speak what He is going to do. So it would behoove you to go to your Bible and to begin to read and to look at some of the covenant promises that have not been fulfilled yet, because it has been proven through science and it has been proven through uh, what the the ones that read through and they chronicle everything, and it has been proven that every prophecy of the Bible has come to pass. And we still have some yet ahead of us. So it's 100 for 100%. Okay? It's 100 for 100%. So it would behoove you to know what the prophecies say. Okay? This is a little side note there. Behold, the day comes, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they broke, although I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be a covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write in their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people and they shall teach "'No more every man his neighbor "'and every man his brother, saying, "'Know the Lord, for they shall all know me "'from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. "'For I will forgive their iniquities, "'and I will remember their sins.'" No more. This is also quoted in Hebrews 8, 7 through 12. This is a permanent forgiveness of sin. Now, I'm going to just bring a side note on this one. A lot of people take this verse and they say, well, you know, it's say that, that no man will teach another man ever again. And, you know, uh, I, no, I don't have to be taught anymore. Uh, uh, listen, that statement is dealing with the fact that you will have an inward dwelling, a confirmation one to another. It didn't say you don't go to church It didn't say you didn't need to be discipled. It didn't say you didn't need to be taught. Because I've had people tell me that, well, I don't go to church, and they like to go back to this. He's speaking of an indwelling. Everyone under the old covenant had to go and learn the law. We are based on relationship, the indwelling, whole different animal, whole different animal, okay? Okay. The new covenant is based and ratified by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Matthew, I'm, I'm going to move quickly because we're time-wise. Matthew twenty six twenty eight. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sin. Amen. There had to be a blood sacrifice. There had to be a, a place of satisfying sin debt. We all owed a debt because of our sinful nature. Amen. His blood purchased us, Romans three twenty five, Ephesians 1, 7, uh, 1, uh, Corinthians 6, 20, 1 Peter one eighteen nineteen, 19, and uh, Colossians 1, 14. Alright? These are all scriptures that you can go back and you can refer to. It was crazy because I was reading and, and everywhere I went it seemed like the the blood and, and the covenant and the relationship it all popped out at me. I just, It was like my brain was just, I just wanted to soak it all up and I wanted to read it all and I, I didn't have time to absorb it all that I wanted to observe, uh, absorb because I had been going through the week and I'd see it here and I'd see it there and I'd grab this and I'd grab that and i said, say, yeah, what's the blood? His blood is precious. You were bought with a price. His blood was shared for me. This is the cup of the new covenant take, drink. Oh my God. All of these things begin to, to stand out to me that God is speaking to us about the blood. He is speaking to us about the price that was paid for our sin. He is speaking to us through his son and we watch the passion and you wonder why when they showed it, it was the most beautiful uh, 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 depiction of Christ embracing the cross because he understood from the beginning of time what his purpose was and he understood what would be on the other side of this cross he had looked at it for centuries looking from, from this end of it looking towards the cross and he understood what he had to do he didn't just get that revelation when he came to earth he didn't just understand it then he knew the evilness of people he knew where people were he knew the heart of men and he knew what a religious spirit would do he knew he came here knowing. He walked his life knowing and he embraced it because he knew that the pure blood that ran through his veins was the ultimate sacrifice that would be paid, that would bring us to a new testament, to a new will and testament. It would say the will of the Father. Do you understand that? Last will and testament. I bequeath to you. I give to you. I want you to have this. Have you ever been to where they read a will to you and someone has died and they, they have a testament that's written down as to where they want everything to go and what they're giving to everyone and how they want to divvy up their estate? The difference is, is that everything Jesus had at that point when he paid it with his blood, he wrote it in blood and he gave you everything. He gave you everything. That is awesome to me. And, and, and I, I was flipping through so much. I had this, as, well as I said, nervous energy. I was like, it's here, and it's here, and it's here. And I said, well, I gotta go out here and dig. I just, I would, I would go dig up. I would just stop think, oh, God, yeah, that's it. Yeah. I, I, it was so profound to me that he would do that. His death, death was a propitiation. This means the wrath of God was satisfied. God the Father poured out his anger and punishment against sin on his son. What a God we serve. Do you understand that they've always been together? That there was a love that we don't even understand between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when he released his son, he released a part of him. He held nothing back. Nothing. He's God. Do you understand that? He held nothing back. In the embodiment of Jesus was God. The very earth he created, the stars, the moon, the air we breathe, he subjugated himself to move in his own creation. Because in the flesh of man was not the strength, not the character and the ability to walk out the law to satisfy sin. And Jesus came and kept the Mosaic law, therefore satisfying the sin debt. But at this point, there had to be something that had to be paid for the sin debt. Blood had to be shed perfect blood. How much greater is the blood of Jesus than bulls, and lambs, doves? How much greater? No longer covering sin, but for the remission of sin. Oh God. Oh God. And he embraced the cross. and, And at the point of his death, every, every darkness, every sickness, every Pain, every evil that the devil has ever unleashed in this world came upon Jesus. Think about that. Have you ever been sick? I mean, the kind of sick that just makes you say, oh, God, I just want to die. Have you ever been hurt so deep that it takes your breath away? Have you ever did something and it was so shameful That you didn't even want God to know about it. All of that. All of that. Came upon Christ. And the shedding. Of his blood. Absorbed. All of it. Absorbed it all. Absorbed it all. Absorbed it all. I think the earthquake and the shaking and the darkness. And the pulling it all. And just pulling it and pulling it and pulling it. And and darkness fell. Because it. That point, evil thought it prevailed. God, God, I can just hear the demons in hell. We got it. We did it. We got rid of him. Now we can torment men and do anything we want to do. There's nothing stopping us. God can't even stop us. Little did they know that at the point of death, the complete shedding of blood, and at the point of death, remission came, salvation came, everything shifted. Everything shifted. It shifted. We came from one covenant that was broken, torn in two. That is symbolic, torn in two. The curtain was torn in the temple, torn in two. Not from the bottom up, but from the top down. Whoa, God. Hallelujah. Meaning no man could do it. Then no man, God did it. He stepped in and he tore down the veil that was between man and himself. How God loves us. How he loves us. How he cares for us. Oh, God. And all we had to do is say yes to him. Oh, when Jesus said yes, we were fully and permanently forgiven. When he said, Yes, Lord, I'm done. It is finished. Yes, Lord, I have completed the task that was set that we laid down in covenant one to another. I have completed the task. Now it is permanently and fully forgiven. God. You can look at Ephesians 1, 7, Colossians two thirteen. We are free from the law of sin and death, Romans 2, 8. No longer bound and changed. No longer driven, driven. Have you ever lived driven? Anybody ever been addicted to drugs? You're driven to take them. Driven, no more driven. But free to say, no, I will not receive that. Into my body. Oh God. We have been delivered. From the kingdom of darkness. Into the kingdom of light. It is our inheritance. Now let's talk real quick about an inheritance. When someone dies. They leave a last will and testament. You can write your will up. At any time in your life. And it stays locked up. Or it stays with an attorney. Or it stays in a lockbox, And nothing happens with it. Until you die. Yes. Okay. And then when you die, there's a tester that comes in, all right? And he takes it and he looks at it and he says, okay, you get this, you get this, and you get this. The beautiful thing about this is, is when Jesus died, he rose on the third day, picking back up his body, by the way, on his way out. And I want to express to you how true this is because people don't die for nothing. People don't uh, uh, get hot oil thrown on them. For nothing. People are not set on fire. And used for torches. For nothing. People are not beheaded. For nothing. People are not crucified upside down. For nothing. People are not thrown in the lion's den. For nothing. Okay. Now I must say this. I believe it was necessary. For some to be martyred. In order for us to understand. Oh God. So good. God. See we don't like to think about that stuff. We don't like to think about that. Because we don't want to be martyred. And then we look today, we see people that are, their heads are being cut off. They're being shot. Will you renounce Jesus? No. Bang, you're out. You're gone. This is based on fact. They wanted to say that the Christians came and moved his body. But the fact of the matter is, is the tomb was guarded and one person could not roll away that stone. So we are dealing with a true Covenant. We are dealing with a savior that has risen. Nobody gives up their life for nothing. You have to truly know that you know that you know in order to stand in the face of the enemy and not give back and not step back and say, well, you know, uh, maybe he, you know, yeah, well, maybe somebody did take him. You know, no, they did not say that. They saw him. They handled him. They talked with him. They ate with him. They knew him. He revealed himself to them. So we are dealing with a tester that rose to bring about his own last will and testament. I wrote it. I died for it. And I bequeath it to you. And I stand before you and literally hand it to you. I bequeath it to you. He didn't bring them something, you know, my, well, maybe no, he came back. He stood before them. He explained to them. He talked with them. He still taught them. He restored them. Come on, Peter. He restored them. He took the time to reach out so that we could look down through the ages and we could see that if we make a mistake, yeah, that's okay. Because now we have someone that's in touch with our feelings, in touch with our infirmities, that walk like we walk, that was hungry like we were hungry, that desire to be loved like we desire to be loved, that got his feelings hurt like we get our feelings hurt. Oh, God, that had to walk on stones and rocks and get dirty and get tired and want to sleep and want to eat. Dealt with everything we dealt with and came back to give to us all of the tools that we needed to walk this life out in victory. God is good. God is good. He made sure that there was no doubt within his people to let them know I have risen. What I said, I did. There is a promise, and I am keeping my promise to you. The promise has not stopped because we are in this century. It continues to move forward. It is the only so-called religion that has moved forward and, and from the beginning and just moved forward and moved forward and moved and not gone back. It has not gone back. There's been nothing that can ever be proved that Jesus didn't raise from the dead. They like to try to prove it, but they can't. They cannot do it. Infallible witnesses. Oh God. Infallible witnesses. Too many writings agree. Too many agree. Too many come together speaking the same thing. It's been proven out. They don't want to tell you that. They don't want to tell you that. But it's been proven out. They cannot prove that he didn't raise from the dead. Cannot do it. Cannot do it. Infallible witnesses. Infallible witnesses. And in that, I'm going to close now. And in that, I just want to give you some of the benefits that he left for us. All of our sins were forgiven because when Christ died, they were all in the future. God, he looked forward to you. All of our sins are forgiven because when he died, all of our sins were in the future. So he paid the price for the sins that were to come. The believers passed present and future sins were totally forgiven so that there is no sin that can cause us to lose our salvation. Not a one, not a one blasphemy of the Holy spirit. If you're a believer, you're not going to do it. Trust me. If you say something and you get convicted in your heart about it and you're like, Ooh, that shit. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. You, that's not you. You didn't do it. You didn't do it because the blasphemer don't care. If there's any care in you, you didn't blaspheme against the Holy spirit. That's the only thing that could take you out. All right. Are we clear on that? I'm telling you, are we clear on that. Now, listen to me. When you receive the last will and testament, you are forgiven. This means eternal life is present. It is your possession, both now and forever. Eternal life is your possession. It's your possession. Now, the present It's always the present. You're always in now, right? Now, faith is. It is now. Now. It is now. Now. It is now. Now. It is now. Now. Okay. Got it. Now. Now. Now you have been forgiven. Now you have eternal life. Now you have healing. Now you have grace. It is always now. It is never over there or you got to get it or you got to go someplace. It is always now. It is ever present in you through him. It is yours. Woo! God, I love you, Lord. Hallelujah. It's always now. We are adopted. Romans 8 15, Galatians 4 5. We are regenerated. Hallelujah. We are put in his body. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Indwell with the Holy Spirit. Listen, this is your down payment. Okay. People hate the Holy Spirit. I love the Holy Spirit because He puts up with me. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They, they they, hate the Holy Spirit. Why do you think Christ, go, go, go to this room, stay together in one accord. Because I'm sending, I'm sending back to you a comforter. I know you're hurting. I know you're kind of confused right now. I know. I know I have to leave you in order for all of this to be implemented to you. But I'm going to send you the comforter. He's going to seal you. Ah, God, he's going to seal you up. He's going to indwell you. He's going to help you. He's going to teach you. He's going to walk with you. He will be the teacher. He'll be your mother. He'll be your father. He'll he'll, he'll chastise you. Okay, he'll get on your case when you're not doing it right. He'll speak to you. Oh, God, he'll love on you when you're hurting. He'll be your companion. When nobody else wants to talk with you or walk with you, he'll be right there with, oh God, he left us a comforter. He left a piece of himself here. People hate the Holy Ghost. They hate the manifestation of the Holy Ghost. They want to kick him out of church. But I tell you what, I'd rather have a knockdown rolling on your floor, full gospel speaking in tongues service than I would ever not having him in the middle of a service with me because I cannot do it without him. I cannot do it without him. He is my helper. He is my friend. Oh, my God. He is the one that takes me into the holy of holies, and takes me and dresses me and prepares me to go into the chamber with my God to spend that quality, personal, quiet time with him. He is the one that ushers me in. Woo, my God. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Seal to the day he comes with the Holy Spirit. And we are empowered for service. He did not give you this gift solely for you to keep it to yourself. Freely he has given unto you. Freely give. He gave you a covenant. He implemented the covenant. He literally came and picked you up like you would a tiny baby and cradled you in his arms. And he walked you out of sin. And he walked you out of death. And he walked you out of fear and condemnation. And he placed you into the arms of the Holy Spirit so that you could be fully Without need of anything but Him. Because in Him, everything exists. In Him, everything exists. And so now we move and we have an eternal covenant. We have one that will fully come to place when He comes back. We are walking in it. Walking in it. Walking in it. Accessing it. Accessing it. Listen to me know what is in the last will and testament because if you don't know if he's calling you he's saying i am the attorney for mr so-and-so and and, and, uh we're getting ready he died we're getting ready to read the last will and testament we would like for you to be here and you say don't think i want to go there i don't have time i really don't think that he left me anything anyway i didn't know him that well why would he want to leave me anything and you don't go And that sits there waiting for you. Waiting for you. Your answer should be, yes, Lord. (laughs) I I believe that you were God manifested in the flesh. I believe you paid the price for me. And I believe that you left me wonderful gifts. And and, and, uh, I kind of like to have them. Since you promised them to me, you know, I'd like to have them step in, go to the attorney's office, sit down and read your last will and testament. It is yours. Now I'm just going to leave you with this. We are called the children of God. Romans 8, 16 called the household. Of God, this is everything that you got now. Ephesians two nineteen, called the children of Abraham. Three seven, you need to know about Abraham. You know who you called? Called the children of promise. What are the promises? Romans nine eight, called God's people. Woo, hallelujah. Titus two fourteen, heirs of God according to the promise. Galatians three nineteen, called the temple of God. First Corinthians three sixteen. Called a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people, a holy nation. Woo, thank you, Lord. Love that. Okay. <laughs> First Peter 2, 9. Heirs of the kingdom. James 2, 5. Called the sons of God. I love that. John 1, 12. We are called the bride of Christ. We are called the body of Christ. Second Corinthians 11, 2, 1 Corinthians 12. You are called the body. This is what he calls you. This is what he gave you. This is who you are. This is who you are. If you know Jesus, this is who you are. And I'm going to leave you with some of the promises. We are imparted a renewed mind. We are imparted a new heart. We are given complete forgiveness. We are given the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It provides healing, God. It provides wholeness, Ah, It provides that you will never be alone. It promises you wisdom. It promises you strength. He even said, I'll share my glory with you. Oh God, come on now. He said, I'll be your provider. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. I'll be your friend. I'll be your teacher. I'll be the lover of your soul. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You'll never, ever, ever be alone. Call me and I will be there. Just a simple Jesus and I am on the scene. Oh God, I'll never leave you. Never forsake you. Never forsake you. I'll be your real reward. I'll walk before you and I'll walk behind you. I'll be your guide. Oh my God. I'll be your savior. I'll be your deliverer. Oh my God. I will be all these things to you. If you will just call on my name, then I will release Out of me, everything that I paid the full price to obtain for you. I took it back from the enemy. And now I give you authority to tread upon serpents. I give you authority to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. I give you authority. Take your authority. Take your position. Access your covenant. Access the last will and testament written for you. Access what belongs to you. And never again walk in a menial way, not understanding who you are, hanging your head down, letting somebody criticize you because you believe in Christ. Hold your head up, declare who he is, and walk in the fullness of the covenant that he has left for you because it is a covenant that will not be taken back. It is an eternal covenant. We see time ends Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. He does not. No beginning, no end. Always now. I am a now covenant woman. I walk in the authority. All authority I leave to you. Be a covenant man. Be a covenant woman. He embraced the cross for you. He bore all of our sins. All of our infirmities were laid upon him. He gave all of this so that God, and I go back to the very beginning in the garden. He created man, human, because he wanted relationship. He wanted relationship. And when I think of a God so great that he would look at this girl, broken and messed up, totally messed up, and he would say, I desire relationship with you. God desires relationship with you. And all of this boils down to the fact that he wants to have an eternal forever relationship with you pastor hallelujah Woo, hallelujah ah thank you lord hallelujah hallelujah.
1: Woo, hallelujah. Thank you, lord. hallelujah you've had something hanging out here that has just bugged me the whole time you've been preaching I don't know how it got there. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But it didn't bother you one bit. Amen. Hallelujah. hallelujah. Did that bless you or what? Come on. Let's talk about it. let's let's close on relationship. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, let's stand together. Mm-hmm.
0: Ooh, hallelujah. Thank you.
1: What I love about this covenant is it doesn't have any small print. As she said last week before. No small print. No small print. Oh God. No small print. Oh God. It's just all right there in the Word of God. What you see is what you get. Woo, it's yours. God, pray us out here. That relationship, just pray for us in the area of relationship. That's what we all want. That's what God wants for us. That's what many are lacking. We desire it in the natural. And God wants us to have it in the spiritual. That will overflow into the natural. Amen. Mm-hmm. because if we don't, we will look for it in the natural.
0: In the wrong place.
1: In the wrong places. Oh,
0: God.
1: Mm-hmm. We will cancel part of contracts in the natural, mm-hmm. because we don't have the covenant. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. When you have the covenant, it doesn't matter what they do with the contract. Mm-hmm. They will do whatever they want to do with the contract. Marriage contract, money contract, car contract, whatever it is house contract. But when you got the spiritual contract, nobody no devil no person can mess with your contract with the lover your lover Ooh, she can't bring it out no better than that honey i mean that was beautiful pray for us for pray for us i just feel like god said i got some more in this area of relationship
0: Thank you, man thank you lord
1: you can be a real man in relationship you can be a real woman Hallelujah. and until we come into that relationship I'm not sure we really can be the whole man and the whole woman. Hallelujah. God's got a covenant with us. Yeah.
0: Hallelujah. Father, I thank you, Lord. Jesus. First of all, Father, that you desire relationship with us. And Father, I pray in each individual heart this morning a burning desire, Lord, for relationship with you. And Father, I thank you that the closer that we draw to you, the more like you we become. Honoring one another, loving one another, committing to one another, Lord. And Father, I thank you that you are mending broken relationships. That not only are you pouring in the privilege and the joy of being with you, Lord, but that you are opening up relationships naturally father that you are mending relationships naturally father that you are pulling together and causing to come together and in love and in oneness father walking in one accord lord and father i thank you that as we walk out of these doors today that we are walking hand in hand in cadence with you lord in full relationship talking and fellowshipping and learning one another oh god i thank you father And binding the enemy in any way, coming and stealing anything that you have poured into your people today. Father, I bind it to them. I bind it to them, Father. And I thank you, Lord. We leave rejoicing because we hold the greatest relationship that we could ever possess. And that is one with you. And so, Father, we are careful to give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. And we thank you for this place, Lord, that you provided us to come together in. And we just want to bless you and say we love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Go and be blessed today. I love you guys. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord.
1: Hallelujah. Bless you.